All right, my first scripture, Matthew 16. And I'm not going with the lectionary. I told you guys so what we're going to go into. We're going to, in the next couple of weeks, I don't know how long this is going to take, we're going to go through prophecy. And we're going to start back in Genesis. And we're going to go, today, we're going to go through prophecy that's been fulfilled already. And who knows, we might get into some other prophecy that's, that, that's coming and that we're living in today. <clears throat> this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees also with Sadducees came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto, you, unto it, but the sign of, of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. The word of God for the children of God and all God's children said, Amen. Yeah. Let's pray real quick. Holy Father. As we get into your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Holy Spirit. Let my words be your words to guide and teach us about what you're doing in this world and what you've already done. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So here's Jesus talking to these guys. And you know what? what's amazing? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they are supposed to be learned in the word of God. They are supposed to know the scriptures from the back to the front and backwards. But here it is, Jesus is standing right in front of them, talking to them. God in the flesh. And the, all the signs that he's already showed them, they wanted to see another sign. I mean, how many signs do you need? He's opened the eyes of the blind. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. And he healed them all. The scripture says everybody that came to Jesus, he healed them all. And what other sign do they need? That's what Jesus is saying. You can discern the signs. You can tell when bad weather's coming or when good weather is. But how is it you don't see the signs that you're living in? The signs of the times that you're living in. Because through the whole Bible, God talks about it. He reveals his secret things to his people. And the secret things are about where we're at in time. Well, God had a plan back in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve fell. When they got deceived by the enemy. And it's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God tells the devil, after he, after he deceived Adam and Eve, and God tells the devil that the seed of the woman, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and the seed of the woman will crush you. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The seed of a woman. And that right there is the prophecy of God entering into his creation. Because you know, in the creation, God gave the earth and the fullness thereof to man. He said, I've given you dominion over everything. Everything. You're in control. So in order for God to come in and take over control of everything that he created, that he gave to mankind, he had to become man. So God entered into his creation, the seed of a woman, and was prophesied. Now, the, now Genesis Account When you get in the book of Genesis, in the first chapters of Genesis, there's no date because nobody knows when that was then. But we know Moses wrote it. God gave Moses all that information. Moses, Moses wrote it all down, but he didn't date none of that. He didn't start dating stuff until he got into the Exodus. 
And then that's when we can tell. Well, actually, in Abraham's day, that's when there's, we started getting dates. On when Abraham, God started calling his chosen people. But this thing is about the seed of the woman. Because the scripture says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And we always thought, you know, I always thought, what's that mean? How is killing a bunch of animals going to get rid of the sin of mankind? Well, that was just a picture God was having Israel do. Sacrifice the unblemished lamb, the unspotted lamb. And, you know, what's kind of weird about this lamb, it would live with the family like a pet for a whole year. And they would, they would live in the house with the family unblemished and would be a pet. And so when they had to sacrifice it, it was like a big loss to the kids and to the family. It was a pet. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. But the only way you can, God can blood or the blood can be forgive sins is if it's holy blood. Without sin. So God had a plan when we fell in the garden. And this is a plan to show how much God really loves us. How much he loves his creation. And so he told the enemy right then and there at the beginning of time. I'm a seed of the woman is going to come in and take the kingdom back. And that's who Jesus is. God in the flesh. Now this prophecy was fulfilled 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born in the manger. But there's a lot of other prophecies up to that time telling about who Jesus is, what he was going to do, and what was his mission to take away the sins of the world. So God had one purpose when he became flesh. He took dominion back from the devil because he's holy. He paid for the sins of the whole world through his blood that was shed on the cross. And this is God's plan to save us from ourselves. Because Adam and Eve, after they did what they did, they knew they messed up. Surely you will die. But they were deceived. And, and we can get deceived in our lives as we live our lives. That's why you got to be sure that it's the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And get into the scriptures. Know God's word. Because God don't want us to uh, go through our lives in ignorance about him and about his love for us and about his plan of salvation and what he's going to do, how he's going to renew the whole creation. But it started there in Genesis. The promise of a new beginning. So it's pretty awesome when you think about this. If you, if you just mold this over in your mind, how much God loves you. That he knew what he had to do to save us. He was going to have to enter into his own creation. Become man. Grow up without sin. To live the perfect life in front of the Father. Sinless, blameless. And he did that. And you know, that would be hard to do. But God did it. And then at 12 years old, when he was 12 years old, they was in the temple celebrating one of the Passovers. I don't know exactly which feast it was. I think it was the Passover, one of the feasts. They went up there three times a year. Well, they, they, his parents lost Jesus, you know, for days. 
I mean, for days, they, they lost him. He was in the temple teaching the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the same ones that are saying, show me a sign in the scripture. And they were all amazed. Twelve years old. He knew what his mission was. He knew that he was sent from God. And when his parents found him, they said, son, we've been looking for you. You made us upset. You know, why have you done this? He's like, why is it you search for me? No, you're not. I must be about my father's business. And the scripture says they understood not. And here they raised this boy and they had angels talk to them before he was even born. Could you imagine an angel coming in and actually talking to you and tell you who this kid's going to be? But 12 years later, they, they forgot. They got so used to being with Jesus, so comfortable to being, being around him as he was their son. And they understood not. But Jesus knew what his mission was. He knew that he'd had to, he had to grow up. He had 18 more years, 18 years from that time. That's when he made his public ministry known. That's when he went and got baptized by John the Baptist. That's when his ministry started. And he was going to make a short work for three years. Revealing God's love to the hurting, lost humanity. That was his motivation. And he knew that he had to go to the cross. He knew that he was, he knew the prophecies. There's so many prophecies that talks about what he had to endure. In fact, I'm going to go to one prophecy of Isaiah 53. And Jesus knew this. But I'm going to start in uh, 52 verses 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at the, his message was so marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. That means he got beat up and shredded worse than anybody ever. And this is 700 years before his birth. The prophet Isaiah was talking about this. Detailed information about what Jesus had to go through. As many were astonished at the, his message was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Then it starts talking about his life. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought forth as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is done, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. 
And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. There's the resurrection right there. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify me, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's what is that's why he came. And Jesus knew this. So prophecies, all these prophecies up there. And God said he'd, he'd give the nation a sign. A virgin would conceive and have a baby. Who's ever heard anything like that? The seed of a woman. A virgin has a baby. A virgin is pregnant. The seed of the woman. The same God entered into his creation. You know, we can look at the signs we live in today, but it's all, it's all in here. The days that we're living in now, we're, they're in this book. And a lot of people say, well, I wish I lived back in the Bible days. You've been living in Bible days your whole life. Because the Bible is living and active. We're still living out prophecy. For the last 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the dead, we've been living in prophecies. Prophecies have been being fulfilled. Now, next week when I come, we get back together, I'm going to go into the prophecies about what happened after Jesus was crucified and he rose again from the dead. What kicked off then? What started happening then up to these days that we're living in now? There's so many prophecies about Jesus in all the books of the prophets and all the stories in the history of Israel. But Israel had to be a nation again for Jesus to return. This is part of the prophecies, and we'll get into that. As I do, there's so much to talk about. And right now, I'm just, I'm just kind of touching on the basis of who Jesus is, why God had to do this this way. But God's motivation is love. For he so loved us. And it broke his heart when Adam and Eve dis disobeyed him. It broke his heart. Because here he said, I've given you everything on the earth, everything. You can have it all. Except for this one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat that, you will surely die. And so, now, here we are, thousands and thousands of years later, and we got religion shoving stuff in our face saying this is God's requirements for you. And if you don't do that, then you're going to hell. That's not what God said. God said the only, the only thing that's going to separate you from him is your unbelief in Jesus. The only way you get into heaven is Jesus. And that you can be the best person with like even Mother Teresa. If she didn't have Jesus, she would have went to hell. And so don't get confused about your good works, how good you are is going to get you into heaven because it's not. 
Like the scripture said in Isaiah, we all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us have turned to our own ways. So this, this ought to bring you joy, knowing that God did all the work. Jesus did it all for us. And it talks about when he got ripped apart, how the people treated him. They laughed, some mocked him. Ah, oh, if you be the son of God, come down off the cross. Well, he's had to stay on that cross because he was saving those people that were mocking him. That's, what, that's how much love he had. And he still has. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's what he said on the cross. And, and, and put yourself up there like the two thieves next to him. Murderers, whatever they did wrong. One of them's like, you know, Lord, if, if you're God, get us out of here, man. You can save us right now. Just bring us down out here. And the other one's like, don't you know who this is? This man has done nothing wrong, but we deserve what we're our punishment because we have done wrong. But he has done nothing wrong. And he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And right there, he acknowledged Jesus as Lord. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day shall you be with me in paradise. This day. Because he acknowledged him as Lord. That's how you get saved. You acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, as God in the flesh who came to this earth to show us what real love is and to pay the sacrifice for each one of us to be able to go to heaven and to be in God's kingdom. Like Jesus even told Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And then you see all these nations and you can tell that's not God's kingdom. Even our nation. I mean, there is so much fault, so much deception. And we're the best nation on the planet. According to everybody else. It makes you wonder, though, like, how can we get so far away? How can we get so confused about who God really is? And how can religion jump in there and separate the people from the real word of God? Like the Pharisees and the scribes were doing, the Sadducees. They didn't know their word. In fact, I don't think they really even believed it. And you see, just like Mary and Joseph, with Jesus, they understood not. We can get so comfortable with it. And if we don't stay in it, and stay connected, praying, asking God for his guidance every day of our lives. We can get deceived. We can get off the right, the wrong track, you know, onto the wrong track. We can almost get over into religious activity instead of walking in the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, I've noticed that when I get over in religious activity, I get mean and bitter. I do. Because you know, I'm trying to, trying to be good. I'm trying to please God. And I just can't seem to do it. But when I get over in grace and mercy, then I can love. Then I can point people to, the, to Jesus. Because that's what grace and mercy does. It, it softens your heart. It lets you know that God loves you just the way you are right now. He loves you so much. And he went to the cross 2,000 years before you was even born. 
2,000 years before he was even born, he paid for all your sins. But he had a plan to clear back in Genesis. I had a good plan. Prophecy. So this week, as, as you go through your life, as you go through the, the toils of each day, remember Jesus is there with you. His Holy Spirit, he's promised to let you, to guide you. The comforter is what Jesus called him, the comforter, the spirit of truth. And he lives in you. And see, that's one of the gifts that we got from Jesus going to the cross is the power of the Holy Spirit to live in us and not to live out Beside, outside of us, but to live in us and guide us and direct us and speak directly to our own hearts and to our own minds. So as you go through your life this week, listen for that still small voice to guide you, to direct you in love and grace and mercy and, and give you eyes of mercy instead of eyes of condemnation. I'm going to tell you one little story and then we're going to close we was at this, me and Susie, this is years ago, we were preaching at this church. I ain't even going to tell the name of the church. But they were having problems with the neighbors. The, the neighbors of the church, they were meth heads, and their yard was trashed, and they had kids running around playing and half naked, you know, and dogs, and, and the yard just looks bad. It was bad. Well, the church, they're like, what are we going to do about this? And they said, what we'll do, here's what we're going to do. The house, the property came up for sale. The people couldn't pay their rent, so the, the landlord was going to sell the property. And so the church decided, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to buy that place, kick them people out, and give that house away. And I just preached on a message about being about the Father's business that day. About how love and compassion is going to win people. But the church, they did exactly what they wanted to do. They evicted, they bought the property, they evicted the people out of the house, then they asked Susie and I if we wanted the trailer. It was a mobile home. I was like, what? Somebody wouldn't listen today at church. They're off in religion. They see brokenness and they turn their back on it. Instead of going and loving these people and showing them the love of God and helping these people, no, they condemned them and ran them off. That's religion. It don't look good for our church. Are we going to be that way? God forbid. I don't ever want to be that way. I want to treat people with love and respect. Every person deserves to be respected and loved like God has treated each one of us. Jesus went to that cross for them too. And there's no difference between us and them except they don't know. And we do. And yet we turn our backs on them. And call them worthless, no good, scum of the earth. Think about that this week. When you run across people that are bound by the devil. And then they look at church people like, oh, they're, they think they're better than everybody else. No, we don't. We just know that we're broken. That's why we're church people. We know that we are broken. We, we are messed up. We do have problems. That's why we need a Savior. God so loved us. He became flesh. He went to that cross, that righteous servant, to pay for all of our sins. So let's not get into religion. Let's walk in the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Forgive. And you know, the last couple days of Susie's life, she told me that. Be nice. 
forgive people, what would Jesus do? She told me that. And she was directing it to me. And you know what? That's the gospel. Be nice. Forgive one another. Do what Jesus would do. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for your love for us, Lord. Thank you that we're not alone in this dark world that we live in. Thank you that you have not abandoned us. Thank you for this love that surpasses all understanding, all, all knowledge. And Lord, sometimes we blow it. We make mistakes. We fall down. But Lord, you said that you would reach down and pick us up and shake off the dirt off of us and set us back on the right path. So Lord, we pray for all the hurting people today in this church, people living in brokenness right now that put on their mask to come to church to hear the word of the living God. Bring them hope, Lord, and joy that only comes from you. So we can reach out to this hurting world around us, Lord, the people that are bound by the devil, and help set the captives free, Lord, to the power of your Holy Spirit in us. And we love you, Jesus, and we thank you all for all that you have done for us and all that you continue to do for us every day. In Jesus' holy name, amen.